0: Hello fellow spy nerds, I have an announcement for you before you listen to this month's episode Which is that you can now watch this month's episode uh, We are live on YouTube and have converted the uh, this episode into a full video experience uh, And it's kind of awesome uh, It's true, we've always been on YouTube, all of our episodes are listenable there Now they're going to be watchable there did I say this month's episode? Yes, I did. For various reasons, we're retreating to a once-a-month release schedule for now. Uh, right now, I will not speculate whether that change is temporary or permanent, but it will give me the time to craft a, a very exciting and engaging video experience of the Spies Light like Guys project for those of you who want that. Um... So that priority change is permanent to video. For those of you that do prefer audio, don't worry. We will always remain on your podcast device of choice. But uh, even if you do plan to remain an audio consumer, uh, please do go and just give the video a quick look. Uh, I worked very hard on it, and I think it shows. Uh, Give it a like. Ring the little bell. That'll really help other people find the show. And uh, I won't know that you did it, but... Please know that, I, if I did, I would I would I would be very much grateful to you. Um, anything you can do to grow our audience, because I know there are more people out there that would like this show. We just got to figure out how to find them. Also, next month, please get ready to welcome a new co-host. It's going to be Fred Kennedy. Diligent listeners might remember him as having been a guest on our man from uncle episodes in may of 2021 um we'll learn more about fred when we get him on mic but uh he is uh i believe a a retired history teacher uh he certainly knows more about spy stuff than i do uh and he's been a, a very engaged uh listener of the show and uh i for one am really excited to uh to move the project forward with him. So look forward to that. Anyways, here is the audio version of Total Recall 1990, featuring Sci-Fi Wise Guys.
1: The following transmission contains unencrypted instances of explicit language. Shall we begin? Smiley, suspicious person. You won't know
0: who to trust. Let's begin welcome back fellow Spinards, to the spies like us podcast that is the podcast where we discuss the representation of tradecraft on screens large and small with me today are chris and anthony
1: hello Oh, was i <laughs> supposed to say hello i already <laughs> forgot the plan. yeah you Sorry. you waved on the video but i don't think
2: they can hear <laughs> a wave i i technically technically you can hear a wave
1: uh oh my gosh (laughs) off to a great start that's chris i'm anthony
2: we are the sci-fi wise guys we watch and review science fiction and science fiction adjacent movies television shows youtube videos uh short films uh fan films uh we were sent forth by the sci-fi godfathers uh to spread the word and uh make you a podcast you can't refuse Yes,
0: I certainly can't refuse it. Uh I'm a big <laughs> fan. And uh the reason I've brought you guys on to this show is because we've got a uh, a movie that can re- it can legally be called a spy movie. Uh but it's going to raise some eyebrows, but I like to do some fun fringy stuff. We're going to talk about Total Recall, uh the 1990 Paul Verhoeven film. And uh you know, not a lot of tradecraft to talk about there, but that's why you guys are here. We can talk about the science fiction of it. And the way we've worked this out, we're also producing an episode yet to be recorded on the 2012 remake. I'm going to come on your guys' show, or by the time people are hearing this, I will have. We're already doing some cool time travel stuff here um, <gasps> to talk about that one. And listeners listeners if all has gone according to plan you could pause this right now go and subscribe to sci-fi wise guys i do recommend it and you're going to find that 2012 episode already waiting for you
1: yeah suitable for framing (laughs) definitely like go subscribe come back and listen to this one first because you're not going to get any of the references in our episode until you've heard this one
0: I think I think that's the I think that's the right way to do it or
1: um, or play them both at the same time and just yeah. choose violence. Two different yeah, two different earbuds, one in each ear, <laughs> see how they line up, two phones, everything.
0: <laughs> we could have done an episode where I showed up thinking we were going to talk about the 1990 film. You guys showed up thinking you were going to talk about the 2012 film. <laughs> and the bit would be we never quite figure out that we're not talking about the same film.
1: I mean as I soon think, as I mentioned Colin Farrell I think you'd figure it out. Like I yeah. I think you're at least that smart. <laughs> I think Anthony and I had a joke we were
2: like, what if we just don't watch like Total Recall because we did a podcast on a on a movie called The Recall. And like what oh. if we just like halfway through we're like, wait a minute, this isn't the movie we were supposed to watch? Yeah. But it had wizzles that. It was a uh, it was a
1: whole thing. D- decided we should we sh- uh, save those horrible bits. For our <laughs> podcast, and not taint your podcast, yeah, with my bad ideas. Fantastic! Hey,
0: before we get started, let me uh, remember to congratulate you guys on two years, which you thank just you.
1: passed. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we just, yeah, oh. uh, yeah. it's uh, it's hard to, to think about. Actually, I feel like we just started.
0: <laughs> I hope I hope you have. Uh, you're definitely never going to run out of content.
2: <laughs> no, they keep making bad movies. Yeah, and they and well, some good I, ones. yeah. Well, occasionally. I just think the pandemic—it's i'm, I'm it's not over, right? The pandemic isn't over. COVID isn't gone. But I think that um for the most part, people seem to have uh, pretend that it's gone. So movies are being re-released. They're being released in theaters now. So I think our quality might drop. Just the quality yeah. of the things
1: we watch for new stuff might drop a little bit. Yeah, so. uh, that's our... I don't think we mentioned it. We only watched straight to stream or like straight to DVD sci-fi. So whenever th- everybody was in lockdown and no one could go to the theaters, they started releasing all of this good stuff on HBO <laughs> and Netflix. Uh, a couple of them on Paramount Plus that were actually really good, you know, theater quality movies. But uh, yeah, I think those days are behind us. I think we're going to be right in B-movie territory really quickly. Right. Although... I mean, we're going to talk about Total Recall twenty twelve. I think uh, I think that might qualify. It's, it's should it should been. have been yeah. straight to DVD. Might become part of our <laughs> shtick. Should
0: have been right.
1: <laughs> did I did I have to buy popcorn to see this? No, yeah. no, please.
0: The film is Total Recall. Uh, came out in nineteen ninety. It is uh, a Paul Verhoeven film, and this cough drop is probably going to click like crazy against my teeth. Um, it's the second in what some people call is unofficial science fiction trilogy, uh, because everyone forgets about hollow man, uh, starts Arnold Schwarzenegger at, uh, pretty close to, I would think really the peak, I think this is peak Schwarzenegger, uh, in my opinion, the intelligence agencies that we're going to see, uh, well, it's a science fiction spy story set in the year 2074 or so. And we're largely left to imagine the governments or their intelligence agencies that might be in play. Uh, Apparently, we've colonized Mars at some point, although there are references that tourist trips to Venus or Saturn might be an option. Uh, Mars seems to be ruled largely by a corporation, and our supervillain Cohagen functions, it seems, as as some kind of governor, like you might have seen in uh, colonial days. A certain character mentions that total memory control would be the province of something called the fucking agency.
2: Someone? We're talking about the fucking agency. Shut up!
0: And that suggests to me that Earth and Mars share some kind of shared governmental control. Uh, Alongside that, we've got some kind of resistance group on Mars that is resisting the exploitation of resources. For some reason, this resistance group is primarily composed of mutants and that they have some kind of psychic abilities. Um, One of you guys had not seen the movie before and the other had seen it 30 times. Can you identify
2: yourselves there? I have seen this movie more times than I can count.
1: Chris, I saw this movie for the first time yesterday.
0: (laughs) I would love to hear, I would love to hear Anthony's uh, first thoughts and impressions at this point.
1: Oh, oh! Putting me on the spot. Very good. Um, I definitely understand all the hype. I, I uh, completely. After watching this, I'm like, man, I, I get why people really like this film. I probably should have seen it uh, more times than I can count, uh, <laughs> but I haven't. Uh, it is. It's weird. It's a. It's got this. Schwarzenegger over the top action, you know that nineties or late eighties early nineties kind of blood and gore style the this the practical effects are great um I say blood and gore style just the look of it uh the the women are treated as objects instead of actual characters uh the sci-fi is not that great um but all, all that aside there's this really interesting mystery surrounding just the entire plot and whether or not Quaid is imagining everything and it's all a dream or it's not and it's left up to the audience to to interpret, which I don't see like I don't see how this film could have been made today. Both with kind of the overtop the over the top violence but also with kind of letting the audience figure stuff out on their own at the end. There would have been some some stupid mid-credits or post-credits scene that hinted at something else. They would already be planning a sequel. Although I, I did read after watching this that they tried to make more than one sequel over the years, uh, which eventually gave us the remake. Um, they
0: wanted to try to make Minority Report into a sequel to mm-hmm. this.
1: Yeah, so I guess like an early vision or versions of minority report were an act wasn't actually a sequel to this. And he was Quaid was like the leader of whatever organization was doing the precog stuff. Um, so that's, that's weird and interesting. Uh, overall, I really liked the movie. Like I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, uh, I would give it a thumbs up.
0: Excellent. Personally, I did see it. I'm old enough to have seen it in theaters. Uh, If I remember correctly, I remember the guy I went to see it with, and it followed a pattern that would happen to us a lot, where we would walk out of the theater just expressing absolute total joy uh, with what we had just seen. And somewhere between leaving the theater and the car ride home, having discussed everything, getting home, having decided actually it was a total piece of nonsense garbage. (laughs) 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 <laughs>
1: because we would just start oh, yeah.
0: thinking about things that didn't make sense and uh and and just completely oh. reversing conclusion. I did absolutely- You gotta take it
1: at face value. You gotta take it at face value. Yeah
0: you, you kinda yeah. do. You kinda do. Uh in the years since I've I've swung back to uh uh I really I really do like it. It is my least favorite of the three. Uh I hold Robocop and especially Starship Troopers in much higher estimation. I don't think Total Recall to me is a must see science fiction movie, but if you like science fiction of this era, uh, in general, then it's got to be on your list probably.
1: I think where it might be must see is just how much it influences things that are better than it. If that makes sense, like I don't. I think without Total Recall, we don't have Minority Report. And we probably don't have the matrix in the same way we have the matrix. Um, so I, I think like I think in and of itself in a silo, it's not super um, uh, important. It's not a like a 10 out of 10 or anything that you need to go see. But if you're a connoisseur of the genre and you, you want to kind of understand all of these other films and everything that came after it, I think it, I think it could be uh, seen as a, as a must see. I actually disagree Oh, uh, in
2: in in what you said, how the sci-fi isn't great, and how it isn't a must-see. Uh, so Todd was right. This is peak Arnold. Like this is right after Terminator, right before Terminator Two, which I think anyone who is anyone who is an action movie junkie or just a fan of film would say that Terminator Two is probably the best sequel ever made, um, and I would argue probably one of the best movies ever made. Um, however, we've talked about in the past on our pod that science fiction doesn't have to be aliens. It doesn't have to be crazy advanced science. It can literally just be, um, you know, what you make of it. Right. And the science fiction in this movie, we'll get into it a little bit later. I think Todd, when you're going to do the plot breakdown with the memory wiping, um, like who is Douglas Quaid? Like, what is Douglas Quaid? Um, what's real, not and what's not real? Like, reality is what we your reality is what you believe and what you are perceiving, right? And there's mm-hmm. a very important scene at the end of this movie where, like, it's the twist, and mm-hmm. like, that's a great science fiction moment because, like, for Quaid, Quaid is real to Quaid, but he's not real, right? So, but but is he real since he exists currently in the moment? It asks a lot of I think existential questions. I don't think it answers them very well because this is just some crazy <laughs> Verhoven action film. Um it, it's much less nuanced than Robocop. It's way less nuanced than Starship Troopers. Um and so I just I, I would disagree. I think it's a must see. I, I think this is like I looked it up this is and 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 so carol this is a carol co movie which was a large independent film studio in the late 80s early 90s that went bankrupt because of cutthroat island thanks gina um and from the only box office numbers i could find this made 261 million dollars worldwide
0: big hit it's a
2: must see like it is it's a defining movie of the genre um
1: so that's my opinion yeah, I, I want to. I don't want to clarify about the the quote unquote bad sci-fi. Uh, only bad that in it, it, a lot of it doesn't make sense when you try to really think about oh, sure. it. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and okay. that that type of like, uh, I think a lot of older science fiction just takes like you just got to just go with it, suspend disbelief. Yeah, we can totally rewrite your memories. Yeah, it only costs nine hundred dollars. Heck, we can give you two weeks vacation for nine hundred bucks. Credits, sorry, nine hundred credits, 900 credits. <laughs> and, and it's such a lucrative business that we have. We can we can focus on one customer at a time for like forty five minutes and split that nine hundred credits six ways <laughs> amongst all the employees. I was like, how? Like, as this scene was happening, all I could think about is how this is not a sustainable business model. Well, I, I don't understand how they're doing it on a Fred a- on a Fred Flintstone salary. I exactly. No, I, was like, I mean that's uh, just that's the local office. Okay. Yeah. That's the just the one office o- I mean, it's yeah, a but franchise. Still, it's still just yeah. the one office. Look, it was the, wasn't the the guy that he goes and sees, isn't that the guy in the no. uh, or maybe it's not. Is it not the guy in the uh the commercial that he sees on no, the, the subway? No, or it's or different. Frenchmark. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I only I'm saw sure. it once, I can't really remember. Um <laughs> Oh, uh, but uh but yeah, no, it like the economy of things, uh just yeah. If they fly to Mars in like a day, like can we gra- can we call the science
0: fiction uh appreciably goofy?
1: Yeah, I mean I would call it I mean it's pretty yeah. che- is it is it cheesy? Is it hammy? What uh, would you call I, it?
2: I think it just like like I said, I think it just asks questions that it can't answer, right? Like you can you In a lot of science fiction, like even really good science fiction, there's a lot of hand waving because the science doesn't make sense because it's fiction. Um, But uh, no, I I just think, like I said, this thing asks a bunch of existential questions and then there's no payoff, which like,
1: well, mediocre, but like, like like execution
2: isn't great. I think fundamentally it's pretty good. But,
1: okay, like goofy might be okay. the
2: right word, Todd. So you might, you might. I mean,
1: yeah, it. goofy. It's been a while since I've been able to describe something as goofy. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not upset about it. <laughs> I mean, like he, he has a hologram of himself that the bad guys gave him, that he then uses to kill a bunch of bad guys. Don't. So, don't I mean, I guess like Todd's. now don't,
2: we're don't step on Todd's toes. Don't. Step I'm, sorry, Todd. I'm sorry, Todd. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Todd. No, it's Something funny. about something about <laughs> minus spy
1: points. Uh, <laughs> Look, yeah, it, it, I agree with, I think, I think it's the thing about this movie is that we're all right and we're all probably a little bit wrong at the same time because of how, of how I think that this is a great example of a film or of a work of art that is bigger than what it is, right? Like its impact on everything else is, uh, is, you can't measure it. It is bigger than what it is. It is literally greater than the sum of its parts. Cause when you start breaking down the parts, it falls apart pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, just for going. All right. You asked me for my, uh, my initial thoughts and opinions. It's been 15 minutes. Uh, I'm still talking. So I think that's <laughs> like overall positive for sure. Yeah. All right, sweet. Uh, I want, I
0: uh, I got to at least put a pin in this too. As far as the influence of this film Though, because I think this is the second Philip K. Dick book that gets adapted um, following, you know, Blade Runner. And there is pretty much no such thing as a faithful adaptation of a Philip K. Dick book. Uh, A Scanner Darkly, I think, comes pretty damn close. Um, But even more so than Blade Runner, Total Recall really kind of saddled us Philip K. Dick fans with this notion that all of his, you know, heady, weird, mind-trippy novels uh, can be adapted into action slugfests. And that's how you pad out a short story in order to make a feature length. Whereas Dick's protagonists are overwhelmingly, like, middle-aged, tubby, disillusioned bureaucrats. You know, um really I, I think the very first line in minority report is i'm old i'm old and i'm fat and i just laugh when i think of someone reading those lines and saying let's see if tom cruise is available for this one <laughs> <laughs> um oh, but man. uh let's see so anthony yes nope chris I, all right no nope, chris you're the one that's seen it a bunch of times you said you're pretty well-versed in how this movie got made and it is a fascinating story do you want to take the lead for us on this one
2: uh sure i'll have to uh pull up the notes on it but from what from my my immediate memory is that verhoven so oh, let me rephrase that someone tried to make this movie a couple of times and it just could never get past pre-production for xyz reasons um And like the kicker is Arnie was filming something. I don't remember what it was. And he was on a yacht and he got the rights to this movie. Like he, like he bought it. He was like, I want to make this movie. And then somehow Paul Verhoeven got involved. I don't remember exactly how. Um, Schwarzenegger picked him. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And then, yeah. So they, they worked out all the details like on a boat. In the middle of the Mediterranean, I think while they were maybe Commando, I think he was filming Commando, Um, because I think production on this movie started in 87.
0: Uh, Mm. Uh, 84. 84 is when they got serious, when uh, for a while it was going to be done under uh, Dino De Laurentiis as a producer. And uh, yeah, I've got the number here somewhere. It's uh, 14 million is what they wasted on pre-production uh Jeez. without being able to uh come to a cohesive agreement. Um that was a really chaotic time. So you had uh Dan O'Bannon was involved. He wrote the, the initial script. He wrote the script for Alien, and uh I think it's Ronald Shusett, Robert Shuset. Let me get that real quick. Uh Ronald Shusett, who yeah. had bought the yeah. rights for the for the movie. In 1974, for a paltry one thousand um, dollars. Wow! So I think
2: Cronenberg, Cronenberg was also going to be involved in this at some point.
0: He was for a while, uh, and that was when, under De Laurentiis, they had Cronenberg, and it was going to star Richard Dreyfus. Uh, De Laurentiis, Cronenberg, Dreyfus, and Shusett basically were all pulling in entirely different directions from each other, as as far as I can tell, uh, other people were cast, different directors and writers were traded out. Uh, Schwarzenegger wanted to get in there, but Dino De Laurentiis didn't like him for it. And they did uh, offer it to Paul Verhoeven, who at that time turned it down because he didn't like science. He didn't want to do science fiction. Hmm. Um, he, that lasted uh, a long time, didn't
2: it? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I found my notes. I'm sorry. Um, So yeah, uh, essentially, it was like, because they don't know exactly when, because this is all oral history, but sometime between Commando and Raw Deal, he liked the script enough and was like, cool, I want it. And then DEG, which is Dilo De production company, went bankrupt, uh, and he bought the rights for $3 million. How could
0: they go bankrupt if they're just running around only spending fourteen million dollars on projects that they don't even complete? It's a head scratcher. uh,
2: Well, is it if am I right? Is it dealer like De Laurentiis did a lot of business with that one? The guy who did um, what's this movie? Uh, whoever bankrolled Die Hard. Mm. Um, like there's a guy whose name I can't remember, um, who was may or may not have been a Middle Eastern arms dealer who was like bankrolling these action movies in the like the mid to late 80s. Yeah, this is a this is I don't remember his name. I'll find it at some point. But like he was involved with him. That's I think that's might have been with the reason that the movie never took off as uh, D.E.G. was kind of like a it may, may have been a money laundering scheme for an arms dealer. Uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not. So not stating that as fact. <laughs> allegedly. 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 <laughs> allegedly. Uh, I, think, I think everyone involves dead, so it's okay. Uh, but yeah, Schwarzenegger bought the film and uh, it, he worked with Carol Co., um, aforementioned independent movie studio. They made Red Heat. He bought the movie uh, and then made a bunch of adjustments to the script. And then they started filming, so yeah, you know, that's my that's my stuff. Let me find this guy. Hold on.
1: Yeah, was was Arnold Schwarzenegger right for this movie?
0: Well, he's right for the movie that they m- ended up making because yeah, um, and he was. I mean, he was heavily involved in it. He was like really the driving force. He was again, you know, the guy that uh, picked up the script, picked the director. Um, seems to have kind of functioned as, as a de facto producer on the project. And um, it's absolutely a time where, you know, as, as we said, like Schwarzenegger's stock is so high that he could really, really throw his weight around the studio and get whatever he wanted. And I think this is the movie that uh, I think, I think Schwarzenegger and Verhoeven were probably uh, just in lockstep as far as their vision of the film, because Schwarzenegger fits in so well with this hyper, uh, so hyper real that it's fake kind of Verhoeven style. Mm -hmm. I've often struggled to describe what I think the visual uh, feel of his movies is. And I think the best thing I've ever come up with is that watching his movies feels feels like reading a comic book. In some kind of.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. very okay. visceral. For me, for like especially Robocop, Robocop's a very visceral movie. Um, and I like, even in Starship Troopers the effects are the same. Um yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. Uh at least in terms of his science fiction action movies. Uh but I mean Hollow Man isn't that visceral. Like,
1: is it? Mm. I just saw Total Recall for the first time. It makes you think I've seen Hollow Man. (laughs) Can't answer this question. That's fair.
2: (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at his other stuff. Like, his other filmography, like, early, early, uh, I don't think I've seen any of these things. The Fourth Man, maybe? I think I've seen The Fourth Man. Uh, But yeah, I couldn't tell you. Um, I don't know.
1: Yeah. But yeah, it is. It is pulpy. It is very comic book esque on the screen. No, oh, I like. I like the the uh, comic book comparison quite a bit, actually.
0: All right. Um. So. Uh. Uh. Anywhere. Anywhere you want to take the conversation next, Anthony?
1: Oh, it's on me. Sure. Why not? Okay. Perfect. I. I. I was not prepared. Uh. <laughs> so like, we talked about Arnold. Um quite a bit, I'd like to talk about, can we talk about some of the other actors? Um, yeah. Michael Ironside. Ooh. 278 credits on IMDb. That includes 11 things in post-production. 11 projects in post-production. Uh, also, uh, the mo- most interesting thing I learned about him, I didn't know that he voiced Sam Fisher until today. Yeah. Uh, when I was reviewing and, and researching uh, uh, for, for this podcast. So uh, if anyone who doesn't know Sam Fisher, um, probably the most famous spy in video games, uh, in the the star of the uh, the Splinter Cell series, voiced by Michael Ironside, and had no idea. Uh, so that's uh, some other spy thing he's been in. Is he a that guy? Um, kind of. He's done a ton of voice work a ton yeah, he was uh, more recently he was in the harley quinn <sighs> really? series he played dark seed or voice dark i should say you sure you uh just like it's thing. it's hard to scroll through and find stuff in his well, filmography trust me because like just like 2017 he's in nine different things and what that includes multi- multiple tv episodes i think and lost oh we lost todd
2: So so Anthony's talking about Michael Ironside and his his amount of
1: IMDb credits. I don't know if there's enough we can say about Michael Ironside. He plays an excellent villain. And uh, the best decision he ever made for his career was just to... uh, uh, You're putting me back on the spot. The best decision he made in his career was to just embrace being that gray villain character. I think he's oh, done yeah. it very, very well. Uh, and on top of all of the voice acting, um, the guy, like I, I get the feeling like, if you told me, hey, do you think Michael Ironside needs to work or do you think he's set up for life? I'd be like, yeah, he's fine. He doesn't need to work at all. Um, so either I'm wrong and he owes somebody a lot of money or he just really likes his job uh, and he's just continuing to do it. Um, looking at the work he has coming up, uh, looks like 2023, there's a movie called Super Dicks coming out, um, which is about uh, a couple of detectives. Um, obviously, a comedy. He's playing the police chief. I'm in. All right. So, like, I don't know. If, is there anything you want to say about Michael Ironside? Hell yeah. Okay. Um, this is it's your podcast. I mean, do you take I the think, reins?
0: I think I've decided, I think I've decided he is my favorite part of this film. Um, if if I were to break it all into components, uh, you wonder if he likes doing his job. I think he absolutely has to just yeah. watching him do what he does on screen. Um, he really he really lays into his stuff.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: And there's a line I want to mention here. Uh, glad I saved it from when we were talking about the sci fi. But the line he's got a hologram is a really kind of a bad line on on paper, I think. I think there are a lot of actors that would look at that line and go to the director and say, "I'm not saying that." Um, but Michael Ironside does does the opposite. Like he, he he like puts his mitts around that thing and takes a big fucking bite out of it. He's got a hologram. Um, I remember just being completely thrilled at that line. At the same time, I was thinking, this really kind of doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, it it conveys that it conveys that like people know, like his troops know what a hologram is and they know the threat that it represents, you know, and, and, and just the appropriate amount of tension, uh, that, that comes out of it. Um, favorite line in the movie, Michael Ironside. best thing about the movie.
1: He's got a hologram. <laughs> like, All right. We talk about, well, we'll talk about the hologram uh, later. Let's, let's talk about a few of the other actors. Uh, Sharon Stone and Rachel. I'm going to mispronounce her last name. Tackett? I think it's Tackett. Tackett.
2: I'm going with Tackett. I went
1: it's with. I book. wanted to go with Tackett, but that's. I, I. I figured I'd be more conservative and just pronounce it. Uh, sound it out. Um, our two f- kind of uh, warring female leads. So Sharon Stone being in this film led to her being in um, probably her most famous role uh, in Basic Instinct. A few years later. Um, recognizable. Just she does a really, really good job of that kind of femme fatale type character. Like, and but also is she betraying him? Is she not? She gets killed with a one liner. I, the worst one liner in the entire movie. <laughs> <sighs> Consider this a divorce. And he shoots his wife of eight years in the head. Okay. All right. Cool. (laughs) I'm glad that you are committed to this reality because uh, if you're not, wow. Uh, Yeah. On the basis of a,
0: of a beat of sweat.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I, that beat of sweat was man, the filming in that, the, that scene, that beat of sweat was, was really, really like really good.
2: Not, but like 24 hours ago, didn't she try to stab him and shoot him in their apartment?
1: Maybe, maybe not. But is this even the real her? If this is all a dream, did he really shoot his wife? Yeah. Did he not? <laughs> oh my gosh, I haven't, I don't know, man. Uh, who knows? Uh, Rachel, who uh, Ticketin, who I, I didn't recognize from anything, um, don't think I mean, like looking at her filmography. She's done other things. Like I've seen some of the other stuff she's in. Like she's in Con Air. She's in Man on Fire. These she's done. She was a cadaver on NCIS Los Aww. Angeles. Like way too late in her career to be a cadaver. I don't know what is what she is happening. She was in Maria
2: Chavez in Gargoyles, man.
1: Yeah, she was in Gargoyles doing a little voice acting. Uh, a couple episodes of Lost. So, I mean, her character in the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants is Carmen's mother. <laughs> uh, so definitely didn't have the same kind of career takeoff that, uh, Sharon stone did, but I thought she did excellent. Um, I, 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 don't know how much we want to spend on this, but I both, this is very much a dude action movie. This is when we call, we describe this as a, as a circa 1990. Cause it's, well, that's the year it came out when you take a 1990 action film. And then you say, Oh, there's two female leads. Well, those female leads, are they have almost zero depth. I mean, Sharon stone character with the double cross a bit more. Um, but you have his, you have his, Quaid's wife. And then you have the woman of his dreams almost literally, right. Depending on how you want to look at it. And uh they're very skin deep characters. I mean, Sharon stone gets to work out a, a little bit more, but at the end of the day, she's Michael Ironside's wife who's sleeping with somebody else as part of her work for the agency. But does she really like him or not? I don't know. Um, I had a little bit of a problem with uh, the way the female characters were treated in the film, just by the story, but we can probably push past that because it's a, a big action flick. It's really about Arnold's character. None of the other characters really get fleshed out either. So it's not not super fair. Um, and then Dr. Edgemeyer turns to his, his assistant and calls her a dumb bitch in the middle of a conversation. That was just uh, Bob McLean, Bob McLean. <laughs> Who did I say? He said, Dr. Edgemar. Don't Who? you dare get Ray Baker and Roy Brock Smith. <laughs> <McLean ever> again. <laughs> i probably just wrote down the names wrong. In my notes, uh, my is the guy with the pill, notes. right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Edge guys. Yeah. Mars is the guy at the pill. He's, he's right. Um, he's yeah. Yeah. But the, so the doctor in charge of recall, uh, refers to his, his assistant as a dumb bitch, just in casual conversation talking to her. Oh, I say it's not, not that casual, but just in conversation talking to her. It, it really like took me out of the scene for a moment. Um, definitely not a line that would have survived. I, uh definitely not a line that's in the remake. I don't, I don't know that for sure. Cause I haven't seen the remake in 10 years, but I feel like it probably wasn't in the 2012 movie. He has really been there. Use your head. You dumb bitch. He's just acting
2: out the secret agent portion of his ego trip. I'm afraid that's not possible. Why not? Because we haven't
1: implanted it yet. That was an aside. Thanks for letting me rant. Uh, <laughs> looking at the rest of these uh, anything any, any y'all well, want to say fe- about I, gotta, I, could, I could jump leads? in, I could jump yeah. in on,
0: on the female stuff uh, for a second and mention that this is this is the only Schwarzenegger movie I can think of where he is so sexualized and it's fucking weird to me like mm. I think Verhoeven is the only purse director that's ever seen Schwarzenegger this way um, there's a lot of lines that really like uh stress his virility and his like uh you know like he's just he's women just seem to not be able to resist him at all you know uh kind of thing uh the line what are you feeding this thing blondes yeah that is a good one uh but uh yeah just before or since i never i don't think i've ever seen uh
2: an object in twins yeah
1: in the movie Twins? like uh, I, I saw that in the 90s.
0: Yeah, I might have yeah, sk- like, skated past that one.
2: Oh, uh, <laughs> well, it's probably for the best. No, like, he just, he's, I mean, I don't want to break down the plot, but, uh like, his twin brother's on again, off again, girlfriend's little sister sees him, and then 10 seconds later, she's wanting to, like, smash. Like, oh, wow. Mm. So I mean I don't I, I, you might be right but I think that's that's just Verhoeven's specialty right is subverting your expectations like we've got these two attractive like female leads right like Sharon Stone <laughs> like Sharon Stone right like she was the At sex shop, object yeah. of the 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 late eight mid eighties to kind of early nineties um, Rachel is is not an unattractive woman and then he just. Puts all this sexual energy into Schwarzenegger. I think you're right, Todd.
0: He definitely well, likes to weaponize sexuality in his films, and I mean, obviously, the height of that is, as you just mentioned, Basic Instinct, also a Verhoeven film.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the if we're gonna call it, I'm gonna I'm gonna just call it Arnold Schwarzenegger's raw sexual energy in this <laughs> film. Uh, sentence I thought I'd never have to say a lot of that is also feeding into the fantasy of, is this a dream? If it is a dream, then yeah, this is the way he would act. Like women would all want to be with him and he would always have a one liner to say, but is that just because it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger action film? And that's kind of what the audience expects. Or is it because it's Quaid's uh, dreams and it's his, you know, that, uh, that version of himself that he always wants to be. Um, so I think it, it adds a layer to it. So it's more than just, I mean, a lot of it's just personal style and what he wanted to do with it. But I think it adds to the uh, the mystery of the film quite a bit as well. Can, can
2: we talk about Ronnie Cox?
1: Oh, yeah. we us do it. I, yeah, we can jump to I him I time it's to time. Talk about it's, Ronnie it's, Cox. He was on my list. <laughs> Let's do it's it. It's time.
2: Is Ronnie Cox the villain of the 90s?
1: Oh
0: you're gonna Dean have to villain. name some films he's one <laughs> well, of those I mean, guys he's he's one of those guys i know i've seen him a million times and i just can't name any of them except I, this one robocop uh you oh, know. oh oh wait oh ronnie cox you're talking about a different yeah, yeah. guy okay i know Co- cohagan, Co-Hagan. Gotcha, Co-Hagan. Gotcha. Gotcha. Sorry. Okay. yeah yeah yeah, yeah
2: yeah um i mean like to a lesser extent star trek the next generation anthony knows all about captain Jellico.
1: um you know. Captain Jellico is not a villain. <laughs> Captain Jellicoe <laughs> is an underrated. Uh, if they had just done what he said, everything would have been fine and we would have had four more years of Captain Jellico. <laughs> I just
2: like Sorry. I like uh he's also in he was senator, then vice president, then president of the United States, uh Robert Kinsey in Stargate SG1. Um like he just Every single scene that he's in in this movie, he is like he is the center of the universe, which is a lot Mm. saying a lot considering Arnold Schwarzenegger's in the scene with him sometimes like he just chews up the scenery like when he's walking around with Michael Ironside in his office kind of later on. And he just points to a chair and Michael Ironside sits down like, I don't know if that was (laughs) in the script, but I I like to believe that Ronnie Cox was like, hey, Mike. I'm I'm gonna kind of freelance this one a little bit, and then he just walks over and just points, and Michael Ironside sits down.
1: Um, I think I uh, like to think that he didn't give him a heads up at all. Oh yeah, and Michael yeah. Ironside's like, "Yes, Mr. Cox. Yes, yeah." <laughs> sits
2: down. Uh, I, I mean, I've talked about it before. I'm I've Todd. I've, I'm absolutely sure you've noticed this before in other movies, but when there's acting that's not on the page, mm-hmm. right? like the 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 things that truly separate. A, like an absolute star actor is someone who's able to do things that make you believe that it's real. Like, um, uh, my wife's my wife is a, th- a graduate for th- uh, she she graduated from college with a, a degree in theater set design. She's worked with professional community actors and everything. Um, and she talked about meeting an actor who told her, like, a professional actor who told her that, like, great great actors like they don't see the stage or they don't see the audience or the cameras they see the forest and i think ronnie cox really does like when he's in it like i see it's had some phone-in performances before but like when he's on like i think ronnie cox believes that he's cohagan like Hmm. like just the way he acts around everyone else like he's this old kind of stiff skinny guy and he's Big Dawkin, Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, and he's the lead actor in this movie. Like I, this guy just massacred 20 some odd people. Right. And he's like, I'm going to get real close into your face. I'm going to stare you down and there's nothing you can do about it. It just, I think he's the best part of this movie. Honestly. He's got to be
0: thinking, he's got to be thinking, you know, part of my job, part of my job, what I got to go for is and what he would measure his success by is how big of a cheer is the audience going to give when I fucking die? <laughs>
2: yeah. 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 hundred percent. Like when, yeah. like when Dick Jones gets obliterated, right. Oh, it's
0: so, Oh my God, that's one of the most satisfying <laughs> things you've ever seen in your life. And it's, yeah. and it's not just because of what's happening in the moment. It's because of all the work that Ronnie Cox did in building himself up to deserve that. So, uh, so, so much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's my bit. Ten out of ten performance. Yeah. If I was going to pick up the the best actor in this film, it would be Ronnie Cox. Just like you said, steals every scene. And you mentioned him playing opposite of Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's playing opposite of basically the entire cast at one point. With uh, Rachel Ticketon's character, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Michael Ironside, a whole bunch of extras are all in the room, and he's just owning most of the space. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred yep. percent. Thanks, Rob. Uh, you can't have a good hero without a good villain. So, I don't know if there's anyone else you want to mention. I, I do want to talk about Michael Champion's haircut. I thought it was great, um, fantastic. He, he is
2: he is uh,
1: Richter's uh, number one hench. Okay, so, cool, Yeah, cool, the cool. henchman. Yeah, he's the the best hench. Uh, Quite he enjoyable. Keeps his, he keeps his uh, his superior henches in check. Make sure they don't do anything wrong. Uh, I do want to give a special, special shout-out to Mel Johnson Jr., who plays Benny, the mutant-turned-traitor cab driver. Because this is is something that uh, Spies Like Us fans might not know, uh, unless y'all have listened to a lot of uh, sci-fi wise guys. I I have wanted for a very long time to have the picture of the character on imdb next to the picture of the actor because a lot of times there's makeup especially in science fiction right there's makeup this film came out what is this 30 years ago uh okay. i don't know what they look like now but here is mel johnson jr with his mutant claw hand right on imdb uh, and i really really appreciate that oh. um michael, now he's michael also champion. go ahead yeah
2: go ahead i was just no. to say michael champion
1: r.i.p passed away in t- uh, 2021 Oh, I did not know that. Okay. Yep. Hmm. Um, I liked the character of Benny. He was probably my like his, his scenes were my favorite scenes. He was hilarious. Uh, I know, reading into the film, it looks like there was a little bit of uh, negative press around the only uh, black character talking about his kids and being this wisecracker and kind of uh, feeding into some stereotypes, maybe some negatively.
0: <laughs> he ain't got five kids.
1: Um, but I enjoyed him. Um I I thought he added a lot to the film. You didn't ex- I, I out of all of the like double crosses in the film, his is the one I least expected.
0: Ah. Well it's a good one. And uh uh that's a good one to talk about uh tradecraft wise. I kinda could have done without him. Uh wasn't wasn't quite as enamored with him. And uh for some reason, like uh the thing that annoyed me the most about the film is the fact that Schwarzenegger had to have like a, a mini boss battle with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I, I don't, I don't appreciate it when, when, uh, a movie has to have the protagonist, like get their, get their revenge on every single person that's done anything wrong, you know, like, and always in a certain sequential order, you know, leading up to the, to the yep. boss. So I could have done without that. Um, so spy tradecraft wise I do want to talk about a little bit about his double cross and I think this has got uh, one of my worst tradecrafts of the film. Yeah, it's my worst tradecraft number three which is Benny getting through in the first place. Now let's remember the entire the, the underlying principle that uh, girds the entire movie that the entire movie rests upon is the fact that these guys are psychics. And, you know, if you try to infiltrate their organization, they can see you coming a mile away. And if that wasn't true, then we wouldn't have to do any of this Hauser rigmarole. Um, However, when Benny gets into Quato's inner circle, uh, he's not detected by them, which I could paper over if I had to. Maybe psychics can't detect the emotions of other psychics like maybe they just are naturally shielded or Mm -hmm. something um and i think that it's i think that someone actually spotted this as a problem and brought it up and they papered it over in the silliest way the flimsiest way i can think of which is if you notice all of quato's inner circle guards are not mutants they're humans So someone maybe mentioned like, hey, we can't have a mutant in the room. They would detect Benny. It, you know, unwraps the entire purpose of the film. And someone said, well, let's say like just all his bodyguards are humans. They don't have any psychic powers. Well, that's still, that's where I'm going to put my worst tradecraft is because if you do have access to psychics, you use those as your bodyguards.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. actually. Well, not he didn't he spend like an entire scene sitting in that bar full of mutants the strip club? No, he he comes
0: in he comes running in with them oh. and and they they all they all get ushered into the secret passage pretty oh, fast. I I know,
2: I know what Anthony's talking about yeah. when he's when he's feeling up on uh three boob Oh, Lady.
0: you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. He's, mm. yeah, he's just sitting I, in there. I
2: actually I, I had that exact same question. I've had that question for a long time. Todd, and I think part of it might just be that the only person that's psychic is Quato like well no the like little girl the, is psychic well no no she's not necessarily psychic like like but i think you it, he has to touch you like Quato has to touch you in order to know whatever um and i looked and i did look at your notes and you did talk about the little girl guessing his birth date are we sure that's even his birth date right Well, uh, he was just also, along. also she
0: only guesses his astrological sign that's right so yeah that indicates, you know, that's a, that's a good indication or a a suggestion of the limitation of their psychic powers. I mean, clearly they can't just, you know, reach across and and read Cohagen's mind, you know, uh, all the way from Venus town up into his tower. You know, you got to have some proximity, proximity, the inaccuracy, wait, not inaccuracy, but the, I don't know, uh, non-specificity, of her guests of his birthday kind of says like, okay, they're not all they're, you know, they're not exactly mind readers. Uh, and yeah, I, I think Quado is more powerful than the rest of them. But I thought, I felt that the, the movie was trying to tell you that the, the whole like, just oh, sure. Psychic powers
2: kind of just go with being a mutant. That's yeah. the
1: impression I got for sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, m- my problem with Benny is they don't even know him. Right. Like, he 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 was involved in a, a a car. He was involved in a car chase, and like Molina vouches for him, but like, do any of these other guys know who this dude is? Right, like I don't know. Like if I was guarding the leader of the resistance, right, like the guy who's going to lead me to glorious revolution, even if one of my agents is like, oh no, he's cool. Uh, he's not vetted. We don't know anything about this guy. No, just come on to our headquarters. Now, come on, come on, come <laughs> on in. We're, we're not even going to search you. We're not going to check you for bugs. We're not going to check you for GPS or anything. They're just like, come on in, have, have a cup of coffee, hold up a chair. Why don't you join? Here's the application. Like, what are they doing? <laughs> are, you are you interested like, in like, are are a timeshare? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. They just let him in. Uh, no, you're right. I, I, I would have to agree. That's pretty bad. Spycraft to just not vet everyone who gets into your headquarters beyond one personal vouch. Yeah. That's bad. I'm sorry for liking Benny now. You've made me feel bad from what I like. No, 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 no.
0: if If anything Verhoeven's taught me is not to be, and I mean this sincerely, is not to be ashamed of what you like at all. Because there was a long time when I would have said my favorite directors were Ridley Scott, Terry Gilliam, and only to some of my very nerdy friends, I might say, and I kind of low key think Verhoeven might actually be good. Like I, (laughs) I wasn't, I wasn't like loud and proud about it. And, uh, it was years later. I think that like the culture caught up more with, with me and, and I was like, Oh, fuck it, man. I just don't, so yeah, you you yeah. wear your Benny Love right, right there on your sleeve. Benny. I'll
1: get I'll get t-shirts for all of us.
0: The culture will catch <laughs> up with you eventually as well. <laughs> exactly.
2: exactly. You just had to remember that someone else is going to like him too. <laughs> yes, <laughs> at least right. one other person will like Benny. And I and and by don't, the and way, I don't I don't think I don't,
0: he's just the only black member of the cast. I think he's the only black person in existence. <laughs> <laughs> like even in the background, this movie is white
1: as very <laughs> it is very monochrome, yes. Yeah. Um, like Benny's not a bad character. He's just a it's just
2: a bad plot for Benny. I think that's, that's true. The issue. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I think we, we, yeah. We've, we've I talked think about he, the actor's... He would have even, been um, he would have been better, I think, if without the mini boss fight. I think if he was if it was kind of opportunistic, like he's you know like oh why'd you betray us? Is like I got kids to feed. They offered me a ton of money. Like like he's not lying about the kids thing the whole time. But then he doesn't try to kill him with a drill. Twenty minutes later, I think that that would have made a better yeah. plot. Yeah, he, 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 he just he yeah. leaves.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He could just leave. He could just. Leave. He doesn't need to hang out. You're he, right. Like
2: he just he, like his character deserved like. A throwaway line right like arnold's like what about benny emelina's like oh yeah he 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 uh he caught a shuttle back to earth we'll never see him again Just show some
0: show some of the mutants dragging him off to a yeah. presumed ass beating somewhere yeah. off there off you screen. Go.
1: how was my arnold by the way that was a good arnold it was better <laughs> than mine a little bit ago
0: <laughs> mm. um are you guys ready to talk about the dream theory on this
1: one? Oh yeah. I've been waiting yeah, for an yeah. hour. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: uh I'm going to I'm going to start by saying that when I saw this in the theater, uh and you know, like immediately after it came out in the theater, like nobody was talking about whether or not this was a dream or not. I think everyone just took it at face value. I don't think that theory started to circulate until However, long later, that the movie had come out on video, and some people were starting to watch it maybe multiple times and starting to pick up on the, in retrospect, extremely glaring clues.
1: Ernie? That's a new one. Blue Sky on Mars. Been married long?
2: I don't want to spoil it for you, Doug, but you rest assured by the time the trip is over, you get the girl, kill the bad guys, and save the entire planet. Now you tell me, isn't
0: that worth a measly 300 credits? Yeah. Which I'm sure, I'm sure you can, uh, you can elaborate yeah. on there for us.
2: I, I have several notes that um, there are so many characters in this movie that look at Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, not even people that are talking to him directly. Um, and even if they are, like they their gaze lingers. Um, for example, Tiffany, the aide at Total Recall, um, the other African American character, good job noticing, guys, uh, who's painting her fingernails with the the palette or whatever? There's a uh, moment when uh Bob McLean is talking to uh Quaid, and she is hovering on the other side of the glass, like she's just staring at Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it made me wonder like, is she in on it? Right, like, yeah. and then when he's talking to Harry, when they're first doing the pile driving thing, and he's like, "You know, don't go there." I, I know a guy he got lobotomized, and then after Arnold goes back to whatever this is—I I don't know—like pi- the verb pile driving. It's it, it makes me it makes me feel weird saying pile driving, uh <laughs> but whatever whatever job that involves, uh, like he gives him a second glance, and I, I I'm on the same page with you, Todd. I mean, I was old enough to see this movie in theaters, like. That being said, I was five years old, Um, but I didn't go see it. I saw this, like my dad had a VHS copy. Um, It was, I think if I remember right, it was, it was right next to the empire strikes back. And I was like, Ooh, total recall. That sounds like a fun movie. Yeah. I'm 10 years old. Who cares? Uh, And then at the beginning, when he wakes up from his dream and like Lori, and and this actually have plus spy points. um, She's probing him for his dream. Like Mm -hmm. she's like, you were on Mars again. Huh? Who was the girl? What did she look like? What were you doing? Like in in it, like seeing this movie 20, 30 times, I'm like, Oh yeah, she's a spy too. You know, Mm. like she's trying to, what is your dream about? Like, I need to report this to my superiors. I need to find out. But like when they do that hug thing, she's like, you see her face change. She's like, this guy's getting closer. Like, she even says, like, I was I was written in as your wife to make sure the erasure took, right? So, like, mm-hmm. she, I don't know what her daily reports are, whatever. I, I don't know. But, like, you can just see the concern on her face. Like, so is it a dream? Is it a... I think there's, there's parts of an argument there that it's not a dream, that he is, in fact, Hauser. He's not Quaid, because everyone around him stares at him all the time like they watch him um like when he's checking into the hotel and the the guy's like identification and he just like dead eye stares him and he doesn't blink and then he kind of like puts your thumb on the pad stupid um and then he like as he walks away he kind of like glances at him again he's like
0: hmm like, okay yeah i'm not just, picking up on these uh, you got the eagle eyes.
2: <laughs> well, I, that, that, my my favorite thing is to watch movies over and over again to look for details, um, and everything matches for the for because I guess there's two sides of this argument. Is it a dream? It's not a dream, right? And so I guess the the things you could say for pro dream, everything that takes place, every single beat of this story matches up exactly with the recall. Um, package that he was, bought
0: with, with what was advertised yeah, blue yeah, skies yeah on Mars.
2: yeah he's like i'm not going to tell you everything that happens because i don't want to spoil it but then he does yeah he's <laughs> like he's like you get the girl <laughs> you you beat the bad guy and you save the planet and that's exactly what happens right um yeah i don't know like uh, yeah i mean do you guys notice anything else did
1: you see anything
0: well, yeah, I wanted to hear what Anthony thought as a first, first-timer. Of course, you had seen the 2012 version prior to this.
1: Ten years ago, yes. Uh, okay. Much to my chagrin, uh, I had seen the 2012 version. Um, I, I I don't want to repeat everything Chris just said because I think that was very thorough, very concise. Uh, it uh, I already said... It, it, when I was talking about my initial thoughts about, I liked how they left it up to the, uh, to the audience, even with the very last line, um, you know, kiss me before you wake up. I'm worried this might all be a dream. Well, will kiss me before you wake up, which doesn't say, Oh, it's not a dream. It, it kind of says it is a dream, but then it fades to black before he would wake up. Um, I like to think that it's all a dream because it makes it, it's going to sound weird. It makes it more believable. How is this construction worker do all of these things? And now he's got some latent abilities or whatever from his old I mean, past. But if he could remember things from before, then how does he actually pass the psychic checks? Well, th- there's,
2: there's a lot to be said about like muscle memory. Sure. Like, uh, And I think it's even yeah, been proven the muscle like, memory studies. of murder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well
2: like people who lose their memories like, like like I I I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor. I don't know anything about the science. All I know is what I've read on the internet. So it could be true, it could be not. But like it's been proven that you retain non-specific memories when you when you experience amnesia. Um I talked about Gina Davis earlier. She she was in a movie called The Long Kiss Goodnight. Mm. Uh, there's a scene where she's like dicing up a tomato and she's like, Oh, I used to be a chef. And then she throws a knife at a tomato and it's like, well, chefs don't do that. That's weird lady. Um, so it would make sense that Arnold Schwarzenegger, Douglas Quaid trained professional spy when in a scenario in which he's surrounded by four men, two of them have firearms and are, they appear to be about to kill him. Like adrenaline and instinct would take over, right? your sure your animal brain. The, like the not your mammal brain. brain, your lizard brain would be like, these guys have to die. We're going to die or they're going to die. And he just takes over. And I mean, look at him. He's ripped. Like, what do you mean? How can you do all these things, man? <laughs> like, well, like, there's like a Harry's, a con- Harry's a construction worker too. And he looks like me. Like he's like his uh, belly's hanging over the pile driver. And Arnold's got these like arms the size of my skull. Like, what do you mean? How can he do these things? Come on,
1: man. Well, there's skill and then there's physical strength. Sure. I'm just, I'm leaning towards it being all a dream. I think that's more interesting. But I think at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because Mm -hmm. if your reality is what you make it, even if for everyone else he's ever known, he is trapped in a coma because of recall and his wife has made a lot of money off the lawsuits. His reality is still what's in his head and what's going on, and so it doesn't. It it doesn't matter. I think that the film does a really good job of giving you both equally. It could be a dream. It could not be a dream. Well,
0: that was that that was Verhoeven's intent.
1: Yeah. Oh, um, that oh, was one hundred percent. Yeah.
0: That's that's his express intent. Um. I've always wondered what. Uh, what happens the day after? So that's like, yeah. do you do you then go back to breaking rocks and think that you were a secret agent, or <laughs> do you just think, "Wow, that was a cool story. I want to go do another one."
1: If he wakes up, it um, doesn't just yeah. die or continue. Do you, the, the sorry, we we talked uh, earlier about how they tried to make a sequel to this film and I'm assuming because the sequel was the was minority report and there's a sequel comic book. If I recall, I, I closed those notes, um, that we're talking about that, but they all seem to be sequels based off of it, not being a dream, or if it is a dream, it's a continuation of the dream. And so I think that, I don't know. I think that's a little boring. And so I'm really happy that that the sequels didn't really, uh, didn't really happen because I think it would be very difficult to keep that balance up. If you do three more movies as Hollywood is, you know, want to do.
0: There's also a problem with the dream theory in that we have scenes in which Arnold Schwarzenegger is not present or unconscious, um, which is something that I think puts a big hole in the hull and something which I believe the 2012 film avoided. Well, uh, possibly to its detriment, because I felt not to get too far into 2012. But by the time Cranston showed up, I was seriously kind of like, all right, who are you again? Whereas <laughs> this movie, you know, we're we're definitely along the ride with Cohagen. We're building right. him up. We're getting his his side scenes. You know, we're learning who he is. And so it's kind of the, to the detriment of the 2012 film. But I do think that is something that they must have decided, like, let's let's sidestep that puddle.
2: Well, yeah. I'll counter that. I'll counter that with this all right have you have you ever had a dream that you weren't involved in?
0: Well, that's the other thing if it works <laughs> like dream log, dream logic could pertain absolutely
2: uh, um, my, my other thing is Tari, do you like Star Trek like 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 not just as a like as a series but like like the whole franchise you like Star Trek?
0: very much so and okay. and by the way, you guys have served very well as being my number one go-to's on all the new stuff. Uh, on deciding oh. whether or not I want to watch it. I go to I go to sci-fi wise guys first, see what you guys have to say and that's a lot of and, pressure, and, Todd. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's a lot well, of pressure. So so do you know how the transporters in Star Trek actually work? Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean I, I know the yeah the so, bones theory.
2: <laughs> well well you well you get you get you get scanned into what's called a pattern buffer. Right? And then and then that and then you get disintegrated. And then a copy of you is transported to another location,
0: right? So creating a massive, disturbing philosophical question. Yeah.
2: So I mean, like it all ties it like it all ties into this movie. Like, well, not mm. that, but like the idea of what is real. Like, who is Doug Quaid? Um, everything in, like because we only ever see it from Quaid's perspective. We we never get to experience Arnold Schwarzenegger as Hauser. So, like I was saying earlier, Doug Quaid is in reality. Like, he looks like Hauser. He talks like Hauser. He's, he has all these relationships with these people as Hauser. But as Doug Quaid, he's an outsider, but he's, he's the only one that exists. So, like, will, ha- will Hauser ever truly exist again? Like, we watched another movie. Uh, called the scribbler for our podcast this week involving someone who, who experiences a disassociative disassociative identity disorder. Like and part of that movie is like, who's the real person, you know? And like, I think like the idea of mind wiping memory eraser, like I'm firmly in camp that it's not dream. I truly believe that everything that happens in this movie quote unquote happens um strictly based on yes there are scenes that do not involve arnold schwarzenegger but like there's just there's too many in my opinion coincidences and it could be you could argue that like if you were in a dream everything would revolve around you right like uh because all dreams are stories you know, if you, if you have a dream where you're the CEO of a fortune 500 company, no one's going to care about worker number 655 underneath you. But like just, um, when he, uh, I don't, I don't know if, uh, this is trade craft or not, but, uh, but I counted as, uh, I think this is my number two spot, uh, trade craft when he gets the note, when he gets the safety deposit box. Mm-hmm. And he gets that note out. He flips it over and sees the handwriting and immediately tries to rewrite the word Molina. And it's not quite the same handwriting, but it's, it's close, close enough to think that you could, that that could be something that he could write. Like, I don't think you would do that in a dream. I think if you are per, if you are a person who is suffering from lost memories and you were like, that kind of looks like my handwriting and you were to write out a word like you wouldn't do that in a dream. I think you would do that in real life, or it would either
1: be perfect or it would be completely different because your dream yeah. is trying to yeah, tell you one I, or the other. It I wouldn't bl- have as much ambiguity I blamed
0: that I blamed that on movie making logic because for mm. sure, if I, you show me my handwriting, I don't need to test it. I will recognize it, you know? So I, I just blamed that on, uh, you know, them wanting to stress the point to the audience. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a good point. I mean, you know people can go back and forth over it and have um i could i could move on to uh the actual tradecraft of the film i want to try to wrap that up i think it's a good segue because this is something where because of the nature of this movie like you cannot find an explanation on the internet of the spy story of this movie because <laughs> anything you google anything you google that remotely says Try to explain to me what is going on in Total Recall is completely going to be essays about the dream versus not dream theory. Um but uh if you guys don't mind, I'm gonna do my thing here, where I try to rigorously go through and, and pry open every crack. We already talked about the fundamental problem this spy mission needs to overcome, which is the psychic powers of the mutants. At least, at least of Quato. Um so And then for purposes of of this, we're going to assume that it is real uh, because I don't really need to talk about the tradecraft of a dream. Uh, So we think there used to be a guy named Hauser and that he previously tried to infiltrate this ring of mutants, uh, presumably seducing Molina as part of his access. And now they're mad at him and don't trust him. So I think this plan had to have been formulated before he tried to infiltrate the first time because he couldn't, you know, otherwise they would read his thoughts and they would know like, oh, this is a whole plan. So it's got to be like a kind of a plan B, although I don't rule out that Cohagen might have already had this figured out, you know, and just sent Hauser in blind when Hauser comes back and says it can't be done CoHagen says, "Ah, my friend, but it can. Let me show you how. Um, it's the. Let's see. As far as getting Quato's trust here, it's really just the fact that CoHagen has apparently lobotomized Hauser, in, in in a manner of speaking, and is actively trying to kill him. Is the reason that Quato's even like considering." giving him an audience in the first place i could posit a better element for that i think that if Quatto had come into possession of some kind of information suggesting that hauser's betrayal of cohagan had happened and that and you you need Quato to believe that hauser has something buried in his memory that's extremely dangerous to Cohagen, um And then that, under that thing, they wouldn't just wait around necessarily for Hauser to, Hauser Quaid to come to them. They would have maybe actively tried to seek him out, uh, you know, and help him out of the situation. That to me is a better plan because right now we kind of don't exactly know how the plan was supposed to go because recall is sold to us as having been a mistake. that It was activated too soon. We don't know what it would have looked like exactly if he had been activated on time. But if he had been activated on time, then the role of, like, Laurie and his friend on Earth should have been to, and Richter for that fucking matter, should have been to facilitate him getting to the mutants. Not to try to thwart him at every turn. Uh, This falls into the trap, in my opinion, of being what I call a duck-duck-goose plot. Where the villain just keeps trying to stop the hero from prevailing, stop him from prevailing, stop him from prevailing, and then you get to the end, and all of a sudden they say, "Oh no, I meant you to, meant for you to do all of that um which is which is kind of b s um there's no reason there's no reason, and this is one of my worst tradecrafts of the film. there's no reason for the earth team to not be read in on the plan. there's no reason for Richter to not know. The, what the mission is. There's no mutants on Earth. There's nobody going to pr- uh, probe his mind. Uh, in fact, don't even send Richter to Earth. Keep him here on Mars, right? And keep him ignorant. But Lori and the friend need to know what the plan is. And then once he gets activated and put over here, you tell Richter, I need that guy captured but not killed. And I really, really need it. So you actually get Richter totally on quade's ass in a way that looks believable to the mutants but i still think it would have been better if you'd planted some kind of information if you'd hinted there's something in hauser's memory that's the reason i wiped his memory because by all means i need to keep you guys from getting to this and then you still keep richter in the dark just to prevent you know any leakage of the plan until you get to the point where like okay now you can try to kill him um yeah i i There's a massive failure of communication (laughs) here for Red Team. Because like suitcase guy, what about suitcase guy? Why does he think that this is the time to deliver the suitcase to Hauser?
1: Well, in
2: in my head canon. Mm. Mm. The most important canon of all. in, In the way that I think the plot works is that Laurie kept reporting this dude's having dreams about Mars like th- like this guy can't stop dreaming about Mars. He can't stop thinking about Melina. He can't like, he's going to remember, but she doesn't tell, like she's reporting to Richter. So Richter comes to earth, right? He, th- he doesn't tell Cohagen because even like, even later on in the movie, Cohagen's like Richter almost screwed everything up. So oh, yeah. like, so Richter comes to earth, Richter, activates Harry and, and, and this is something that I'm not sure. And this is why I, I either think Tiffany, the assistant at recall is in on the plan or they, they just track his bank account, which, which makes more sense Um, uh, that he goes to recall. And as soon as he gets to recall, Richter activates, Harry, Harry tries to kill Quaid. And then that's when the whole, that's when the whole spy thing breaks down that exact moment. And, and I think Helm, um, Richter's uh, number one hench, even mm. says the reason why Heck, like Richter's probably pissed off. He's like, you know, I wouldn't want this dude porking my wife every night. You know, like, I think Richter is acting emotionally. He's not thinking logically. Mm. He, he doesn't care about this grand plan. I, he doesn't know about it, to be honest. All he knows is his his legally married wife is banging some other dude. And he can't do anything about it. And it's been going on for several weeks. And not, so these emotions get involved. Not yeah.
1: just having sex with another guy, but having sex with another guy under orders from his boss. Yeah. Who he he probably knows Hauser. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I would assume so. They, like that's like, that's another like, kind of that's part of the the a, a hole in the plot a little bit. My number one worst spa- uh, spycraft, I almost at spacecraft. My number one worst spycraft is also not letting Richter in on the plan at, at, at any point. Yeah. And not giving problem. him, like, Cohagen's plan almost works, right? Or we wouldn't have a movie. But he put all his eggs in one basket. You're right, Todd. Like, he could have leaked some information elsewhere. You could have had Richter. Maybe he let Richter in on the wrong plan, but something that's close enough to where he would act it out better, and he doesn't have... I like, like that. There's so, many, there's so many better ways, like, for this otherwise excellent villain, and his plan works out, but it's way too complicated. Like, and, and like I said, all the eggs are in one basket. Quaid gets shot at any point by any of the people that he kills on Earth, or gets sucked out into space as soon as he gets to Mars. Your whole plan's... No, you're back at square one. Yeah. Good job. You know? Yeah, Gold Ducat Gold Ducat could have killed this dude. Yeah, Gold like, G- like, Gold Ducat could have killed this like, guy as soon as they got to to Mars or uh the doctor uh Robert cuz Robert Picardo plays the uh the taxi cab they could have hacked the taxi cab uh whatever that was called the automated one and just Johnny Cab drove, Yeah, Johnny oh, yeah. Cab drove him off a cliff. Like the I think that the plan on paper, at a high level, oh, we need to infiltrate these guys and their psychics. So the only way we can send somebody in is if they don't know they're a mole. Okay, my, like let's erase their mind. Okay, I'm, I'm in so far. But why are you doing it to your number one agent? Why are you doing it to the guy that they already recognize? Well, and people know. It's not like Arnold could just walk around and... Like even or sort of Quaid or Hauser, he's a tall, accented muscular man like he sticks out like a sore thumb yeah he's not a great secret agent
0: well sorry that's that's true and that should have been been on my list that was supposed <laughs> that absolutely should have been on my list i missed it yeah you do not you do not Number hire two. these kind of people to be secret agents you don't you don't even want tall people he doesn't blend in short, anywhere very short bland people my, my biggest blind. problem
2: my biggest problem with this plan is What's the plan if he doesn't go to recall? Right. We
0: don't, we don't know. We see that some things are in place. You know, there's a suitcase that's going to be delivered at some point.
2: But, but, but like Lori even says, I was assigned to, I was assigned to be your wife six weeks ago to make sure the erasure took. Yeah. Is it six weeks? Yeah.
1: If the erasure takes, why did you do it? Why would he ever go back to Mars? Well, I think no, that no, 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 no,
2: no, no, no. Why would you ever erase his memories if he, if he, if he never goes to recall? Mm. He just stays on Earth as a construction worker.
1: What's the point? I think that's the suitcase. I think. Well, yeah, they said he the got suitcase.
0: activated too too soon. Mm. The plan was never ah. to keep him under wraps the whole okay. time. Um, it's just that they had a whole timing of it and this just like triggered him too early.
2: But I mean, but what's the, when's the right time? Like
0: exactly. (laughs) (laughs) How long are you going to (laughs) wait? But yeah, there would have to be, have, have been some kind of plan to start like letting him find weird things around the house or files or a secret thing in his closet that starts giving him clues. But then you're still relying on him to do a whole lot of detective work and you'd have to handhold him so hard like to, to get him to do what you want much better in my opinion you give the mutants a reason to seek him out
2: like does he yeah. go to Mars versa. does he go
1: to Mars with Lori
0: nah she comes later
1: and that might be but why the, she wouldn't be part of it I, maybe she gets kidnapped like, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna throw out this crazy theory he was meant to go to recall he was activated right on time to Kohagen on Cohagen's timeline no one else's timeline activated right on time and cohagan saying that oh he's activated he's just uh motivation for richter and crew and the rest of everyone else in the agency as they're calling it to chase him down that's the, the only thing that can make agency. sense to me is yeah. that the the dreams were good and that he was supposed to go to recall eventually and get triggered I mean, actually, what makes most sense is that it's all a dream. But now that we're talking about it, like it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, there's two. There's a lot of holes. Like I said, this movie very much needs to be taken at face value. I think as soon as you, as soon as you scratch at it a little bit or pick at it a little bit, Arnold's not a good oh. spy. The character he's playing is not a good spy or secret agent or assassin or anything. Cohagen's plan is bad. It's very, very bad. Uh, the not letting, like, the the whole lack of information, I I don't know if that's a, tr- I feel like that's a trope, like not telling, the, I, don't, I can't tell the rest of the team the plan because then it might not work. Like, I'm manipulating, like red team leader is manipulating red team and blue team at the same time. Like, there's right. just too many dice, too much dice rolling, but I don't know. It almost works. It comes close. But even if it's yeah. very end, like it finally works. He did like, how many people died in order to make that work? So like, not just innocent people, but like you can't have uh, henchmen are a finite resource. That's all I'm saying. And yeah. he killed a lot that's of them. Tr-
0: that's true. And you know, just stray bullet you know anytime in an action movie when you're trying to like do this level of like obfuscation of your plan it just sucks when you go back and think about just how like one straight bullet you know and
2: kaput you're done well i mean isn't isn't that how like people justify how stormtroopers are bad shots they're just like oh they knew who luke and leia were so they were uh, intentionally missing when they were trying to shoot at him. When that's they were just, escaping the that's just nerds star.
1: like us going on podcasts and trying to like <laughs> justify movies. We like, okay. <laughs> like we all, I've, I've actually got, I've, I've got a major nitpick and then a
2: question for Todd. All right. Oh. My major nitpick is that when he goes to recall, he walks up to that computer and he stops and he starts typing. He does not type the word McLean. He doesn't type the word Bob and he doesn't type the word recall. So what is he typing?
0: This is what computer when?
2: So when he goes to recall, like after he, after he talks to Harry, yeah, Quaid, when yeah, Quade goes to recall and he, he's walking through. Uh, by the way, I really like the architecture of Earth. Um, it really reminded me of Equilibrium. I think the this particular architecture style is called Brutalist.
1: Yeah. But that's neither mm-hmm. here nor there.
2: Yeah. Good name. Um, he walks into the office building. He walks up to one of those computers. I'm sure you've seen it, like it happened in Die Hard. You know when he also types McLean, um, but he doesn't type McLean, and he doesn't type Recall. And I watch. I, I when I watched this movie again this morning, and I I, I went back and watched the scene several times, and I can't tell you exactly what he types, but it's not Recall, and it's not McLean. That's my nitpick. Uh, my second question is: I don't know if this is. If this Why do you is,
0: want him to type McLean?
2: Because that's Doctor. It's Bob McLean is the doctor, the guy oh, okay. who runs the recall office. Um, okay. Like I said, it's a nitpick. It's just it's childish, but it's a nitpick. Hey, that's uh, what I like
0: to do on this <laughs> podcast.
2: Um, question: When and this might be? I think this is negative spy points. When when Quaid arrives back at the apartment. Lori's like, I'm going to call the doctor. And he's like, no, don't call anyone. And then he leaves the room and she calls Richter. She leaves the camera on. and doesn't turn off the TV. So like after he disarms her in, in the midst of mortal combat and she's, she like, she's like, Oh, you, we, maybe we can, you know, you know, have one more, you know, um, we can have sex mm-hmm. again just one more time for old times' sake. And then he turns around and sees the guys coming up the elevator. Like, why would she leave that on? Why would they leave it on? You can hang up a phone from both directions, directions, right? Well, you can argue that she left the camera on because she wanted them to know what's going on in the room. Right. But -hmm. she could have turned the TV off. So he wouldn't know if they were coming because the TV and the camera phone are two different objects in this scenario. Like, fantastic you know, i'll leave like, it to you i don't know like that's just it seemed like a dumb thing to do also there's no camera on the camera phones
1: like oh there's no lens that you can see yeah is there's what you no, mean there's no oh. camera well, i can I mean, just assume that they they talk through the screen i chalk that up to hmm. bad weird sci-fi of the 80s and 90s you don't have to explain I also have a that con- i also have a continuity a continuity error in this
2: scene well don't you know that screens are lenses in the future
1: (laughs) that makes sense Um, to me
2: yeah when when he returns he like he grabs her and he turns off all the lights uh this is actually a a bit of trivia the the tennis player is a professional tennis player i don't know if you guys knew that or not no uh her name is linda howell anyways um he's like he holds his hands up and they're covered in blood. He's like, does this look like a delusion? But he had just grabbed her and touched her and there's no blood on her. There's no blood anywhere. He touched
1: all sorts of stuff. The doorknob. We got a continuity error. He holds his (laughs) hands up. They're just dripping blood. I'm like, no, but there's, yeah. Yeah. Does
2: this look like a delusion?
1: (laughs) What's uh. We should do an audio version of this movie and you can play Arnold. <laughs> I'll play Sharon Stone. Um please do. So I, I feel like
2: I'm I feel like we're in the weeds. Sorry,
1: we're Todd. we're definitely in the weeds. That's all right. That's
0: all right. I think I think that's a good good cue. If we're if we're that deep in, might might be time to start uh landing this plane and uh and and wrapping it up. Um Let's, let's try to quickly. Uh, I, th- I think you guys have given your reasons before, but can you give it a one to five on, on just how much you
1: like the movie? Anthony, you go first. Oh. I'm going to... I'm going to give it you a... You don't have to. No, I'm going <laughs> to give it a three and a half. I, mm. I, I want to give it a three watching it today, but thinking about what I would have thought in 1990, having seen it and knowing its impact, I want to give it a four, four and a half. So I'm going to, I'm going to average it out to three and a half.
0: I'm right there with you. Uh, it was pretty easy for me. Um, cause I could simply compare it to, uh, RoboCop and Starship Troopers, both of which are unqualified fives. Uh, for <laughs> me, um, I think those are must see. And this is, uh, yeah, maybe, I mean, it's, it's cool for what it is, but, uh, uh, it, you don't need to have had it in your life. Um, definitely enjoyed it at the time.
2: I'll probably be the only one. Uh, I mean, if, if I were to rate this thing just on its star rating, um, I believe it's a five. Uh, and the reason why is like, we could, we didn't really get a chance to talk about it, but I'll go ahead and talk about it right now. Um, this is a fantastically made movie. Like yeah. the the sets, Absolutely. the cinematography, the camera work, the acting. I think the only real weak acting in this movie, believe it or not, is Benny. Only because he's now he listen here. so oh, he's <laughs> okay. so over the top and out of order like in every single scene that he's in. Like I th- like he's not the worst actor. I think he's just like he that could be I, he direction. Doesn't fit, he doesn't fit the theme of the movie. Like it's he's t- like,
0: tone. Tone, I think, is the word. You're, you're yeah. Really like looking for. He, he's like a character he's from.
2: A he's like from Lethal Weapon. You take like he's out of Lethal Weapon with like the like he makes a bunch of like there's our there's crappy one liners in this movie like so you the body rick right, um, uh, but uh, but like he's just like hey man I got five kids to feed like, chill. Yeah. Calm down, Vinny. Um, like there are some moments when like, with speaking of that elevator scene, like when he throws him against the wall in the elevator. And I didn't notice this when I was a kid, probably cause I was watching it on shitty VHS, but like, you can see the walls bend. Oh, uh,
1: <laughs> you, you mean when they throw Arnold against the concrete, <laughs> when yeah. uh, his yeah, friends from it, work first throw him against the wall, like the concrete bows, wall just yeah. moves a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, Another this is a fun fact this movie was originally supposed to be filmed in Houston. Um uh, I can see it down, downtown Houston. I don't know if you've ever been there Todd. Uh is there a lot of futuristic looking buildings? Oh. Apparently they they couldn't get the permits for it or whatever. So they ended up filming in a military base in Mexico City. Um so like uh, I mean the, I mean the scenes when he's walking around like in the open city I think that just happens to be in Mexico City but like um, the the when they're on Mars that's supposed to be a military base um, interesting and, like, there's like Verhoeven is very like I, he's very subliminal but direct at the same time like in Starship Troopers a lot of people are like oh I love this action movie and it's like did you get the whole anti-establishment Message and they're like, no, well, okay. Uh, like, did you get the message in Robocop with OCP? Probably not, right? Because everyone thinks it's a great action movie. Uh, but did I, you I think this movie, that
0: Robocop is Jesus, yeah,
2: <laughs> police Jesus. Um, he, he but, walks uh, on
0: water at the end of the film. That is intentional <laughs> in Verhoeven's mind.
2: Oh, <sighs> yeah, no, I think this movie's a five. I think it's a, I think it's a classic, like, in terms of if you're looking at this movie as a pure action film five everything about it is a five it's park bench meter (sighs) park bench. (laughs) it's gonna be on the other (laughs) end um i'm gonna
0: run down my best and worst uh tradecraft i'm gonna do it fairly quickly uh we'll slap a park bench rating on this uh Feel free to comment though on any of these. Uh, although I think we did kind of cover them. Um, little minor shout out to wet towel around the head uh, to to block a tracking signal. Um, you know, sci fi and spy movies actually don't really mix very well, even though a lot of spy movies do involve like a little tiny bit of bleeding edge science fiction. Um, but it's so far it's so hard to find a a true science fiction spy movie. Uh, might not be one that exists um although counterpart i haven't finished yet that's uh 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 simmons the simmons guy i'm forgetting his first name he's got initials rk simmons jk jk yeah where he is a, a secret agent in a world where they have like they've cracked uh, the timeline it's like a multiverse movie but there's really just oh. one place where it split off mm. into two realities and they can travel back and forth uh and and uh it involves the intelligence agencies of the two alternate universes playing against each other. That's pretty um, cool. So that would probably qualify. But so when I look for good tradecraft in a movie like this, you know, I, I gotta pick up tiny pieces. And even though like who knows why it works, but wet towel around the head. Just seemed like a fun little bit. Um, I'll give my number three best tradecraft just to the hologram. The the technology, its utility for a secret agent uh, would be very high. Uh, It's a fun kind of thing to have around. Number two best. I don't remember his name. You guys are so much better on the actors, but the red pill scene. You know, um, when, yeah. when things have gone wrong in this way, this is such a great genius, bold ploy um, that if you're accepting the whole reality sur-reality of the film uh, really plays well as a as a piece of genius. And uh, even though we have talked about all the ways that this plan needed to be planned out better, <laughs> the sheer concept oh, yeah especially if you're going to make a science fiction spy movie, the sheer concept of having to go up against and infiltrate a group of psychics. How would you do that? We wipe your memories. That's
1: fucking brilliant. Yeah, that really is. It really is. I, I have a best and worst spy craft. I just have two and two. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't find enough. Like this not being a proper that's spy fantastic. movie. Let's, 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 hear that's your all right. Uh, my best, actually, yeah. Chris mentioned it already. Sharon Stone interrogating Quaid multiple times. Oh, yeah. All every time she's talking to him, she's trying to dig at information. She's fantastic in that role. Mm. Uh, number two is also my my the Red Pill scene that that whole kind of intrigue. We're bringing back like I think that's the one scene in the second third act, really kicking off the third act that really questions the whole reality of everything and tries to. Depending on what side of the plan you're on, either push him back towards the psychics because he's come, you know, kind of off course or bring him back into the fold. Not sure because, you know, everyone gets murdered. As far as bad goes, um, we already mentioned not letting Richter in on at least some part of the plan. We've beat that to death. Uh, A new piece that I think I think is bad tradecraft is the briefcase not the fact that it exists and not all the the goodies he got in it, but how it's delivered to him. They don't even hide it. He's he's like, do you see me out your window? And he drops the briefcase in the middle of the sidewalk. Like if that old lady had been two seconds faster and swiping it, (laughs) this whole movie wouldn't have happened. It's such like, he didn't hide it. He didn't put it under a park bench. He didn't do anything with it. It's this huge silver, like reflective briefcase and he's just like i'm gonna put it in the middle of the sidewalk and walk away i hope all these passerby don't grab it let's just <laughs> sorry there's just like there's better ways to do a a a, a handoff Like pretty much anyway actually i think i think of any other way is a better idea for a handoff i mean like he could
2: have been like he's like yeah i'm gonna help you and then there's a knock on the door right yeah and it's and some bellhop brought the suitcase to him. Or it's so just no Or it's just there in the yeah.
1: hallway. He knocked and left. Yeah.
2: Like yeah, that's yeah. much safer oh, yeah, than leaving
1: it, it on work. the side of the street. Sorry. I, have, I have uh, we a didn't get to it. we didn't get to rant about that earlier. So that's my point number two <laughs> for bad tradecraft. It almost doesn't work.
0: I appreciate it. I love I love it that you're that your game to play along with the with the best and worst oh, here.
1: I'm here. Um, when in Rome.
2: I have a question uh, about the hologram. Yeah. Oh no. Is it bulletproof?
1: Apparently because they shoot through it and don't shoot each other, <laughs> I was yelling at the television. I was like, yelling. I was like, "Why even, are they not dying? They're just shooting ele- through the hologram." Even 11-year-old me was like, "No." But they yeah, shoot through her hologram just, later. She uses yeah, it r- and they shoot through and kill r- each real. other. Sorry. That's, a, a, rough
0: that's yeah. a rough one. That's a rough one. Is that bad uh, spycraft
1: no. or just bad movie making? I don't I don't know. Yeah. Both. No, I, I think I think Red Pill Guy is
2: my best tradecraft. Um Mini Morpheus. You already <laughs> talked about him, Todd. Um like Mini Morpheus. <laughs> I just like I wonder what the actual like I've thought often about what the plan was after he takes Red Pill. Hmm. Like I don't think the I don't think the plan is to kill him. Yeah? Because like if you kill him, what was the point of everything else that happens in the movie? And then even mm-hmm. even Cohagen says, like, if you'll play along, Richter, this is how it's going to unfold. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, does he just pass out and go to sleep? And then they put him in the recall thing and they kind of like change his memories a little bit and then they they go back to the original plan. I don't know. That's that's
1: Yeah, I don't know. But uh
2: no, I I, I like to I like to Dr. Edgemar. He's my he's my best trade craft. Like <laughs>
0: That's interesting. I never thought of the idea of them rewinding his memories just a little bit. They could choose any point, sort of. Well, no, because everyone else, all this, all this shit has already happened. Though he's already visited the mutants and stuff, right? Maybe they think that yeah. he has so, enough
1: information, so they turn him back into Hauser and they use that to, uh, I don't know do what they need to do i mean you yeah. you know that you need to go to that one uh strip club and uh go through a tunnel straight and a straight line to find their secret hideout if it's not know yeah. it's not that hard that has air in um, it but whatever
0: benny getting through and the yeah. the fact that it looked like they tried to paper it, the movie makers tried to paper it over by just having humans around that was my worst three number three Uh, My worst number two, actually, I had listed as no guards at the alien stuff, which I thought was pretty bad. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm going to trade that out and just say, you know, uh, unless it's a dream, in which case it's perfect. (laughs) Uh, But if it's real, uh, boo on you and shame on you movie for doing the super James Bond spy trope of leaving your hero strapped into some kind of device. You explain your whole plan and go wandering (laughs) off
2: absolutely everyone leaves but the scientists i have in all caps <laughs> I, forgot about I have in that. all caps like this is where the bat shit crazy plan really doesn't start to make sense so there is a dude who is a master spy slash train killer who just got revealed to him that he's the dope right and mm-hmm. then and then you insult him you punch him <laughs> in the face you <laughs> aggravate him and you tell him that every, everything he knows, Douglas Quaid is a lie. And then you leave him in a room with a bunch of scientists. There's no, no guards. <laughs> Nothing.
1: It's like, a, what are we a, doing?
0: <laughs> it's a great argument for Team Dream. Because I, oh, man. So spy story tropey. The, the movie is perfect
1: um, if it's all a dream. We could hand away, again, away my number anything. One
0: worst, my number one worst. There's too many people out there trying to kill Hauser. Uh this is this is a dangerous way to try to prosecute your plan. Uh park bench rating, pretty easy for me. This is all the way at the bottom. Uh it's it's a one.
1: It doesn't go lower I than that. Could. We can't do a half.
0: I was gonna I say could, half. We could. We actually could, it's a park chair. Our, our <laughs> worst possible rating. Um just Considering the sci-fi universe that Hauser's up against, and the idea that you know, the whole the if you're going up against psychics, this is not a bad plan. It's planned out bad, but that's that just nudged me up to the to the one. I think sure. Uh indulge me for a second. Let me see if we ever have gone to a point five. Uh we agreed that uh driving Miss Daisy would be an example of a zero. Um <laughs> Yeah, I was checking to see if we've ever gone to uh, 0.5 or what our other ones might have been. Yeah. Um, Spy Kids 0. 0.5. Man Called Flintstone
1: 0. 0.5. Our Man Flint 0. 0.5. Wow, shit. I would say this is uh, this is. a I would thinking about those movies. I would give this a one. I changed my mind about the park chair.
0: I think you're right. Or oh, I was okay. Okay, so you're you're coming coming up to a one.
1: I'll come up to a one now that you've given me some, some reference material. <laughs>
2: All right. Uh, yeah. I, uh, sorry. I missed an honorable mention on my uh, worst tradecraft. craft. Uh, if you were a spy who lost your memory, would you, if someone called you Hauser, would you immediately be like, I'm not Hauser? Would you just give away that you don't remember who you are? Anyways.
1: Uh, no one, one park bench.
2: One Park Bench. bench.
1: But it's one of those ones that has the anti-homeless thing in the middle of it. So it's real uncomfortable. Maybe it's got two of them so it's like you barely fit.
0: Well, it's a pretty shitty bench. Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
1: It's a bench in name only. In in need of repair.
0: (laughs) Uh, Guys, I'm going to get out of here. Thanks so much for doing this with me. Uh, Remind my audience, again, if you haven't already, why haven't you? gone and subscribe to the sci-fi wise guys podcast and uh be sure to let them and myself know uh what you think of either or these episodes
1: yeah. thanks, yeah. For, having thanks us. for having us we really appreciate it it's fun yeah.
2: stay healthy stay hydrated and uh <laughs> don't take the red pill i guess I don't know. how yeah. about this
0: how about this stay healthy stay hydrated and why don't you ask mora to initiate protocol nine
1: Protocol 9 initiated. This podcast will self-destruct in
2: 20 seconds. The preceding transmission sampled the songs Ice Cold by Audio
0: Nautix, Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod, and Sound Effects from Freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at SpiesLikeUs.net. Editing by
1: Todd Hostetler.